Well, I think it's nearly impossible that if you're here today that you did not realize yesterday was 9-11. I think that it's impossible. I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I don't think anybody that is on social media, has any media device, somehow missed that Patriot Day. And uh, I want to do something that we're not accustomed to in a Pentecostal church. Pentecostal churches are noisy and fun. But uh, 20 years ago yesterday, nearly 3,000 people were killed, including more than 2,600 at the World Trade Center, 125 at the Pentagon, 265 on the four planes. And so I want to show you this slide that you can't even see people's faces. But at each one of those squares represents a face of mother, daughter, father, son, niece, nephew, cousin, someone that meant a ton to someone else. And 20 years later, no doubt, tears still well in people's eyes when they think about the loss. And so I want to have a moment of silence for all of these people. I didn't personally lose someone, but I am an American, and so I did lose someone. And there's a meme currently being shared on social media. Many of you probably saw it. The title is, I Miss 912. And on the slide you see, it says, I would never, ever want another 911. Brother Jim, can we get that next slide? But I miss the America of 9-12. Stores ran out of flags to sell because they were being flown everywhere. People were Americans before they were upper or lower class, Jewish or Christian, Republican or Democrat. We hugged people without caring if they ate Chick-fil-A or Nike or wore Nikes. Tragedy has a way of putting things in perspective. Or it has a way of bringing people together. And overall theme of never forget became the rallying cry of 9-11. Each year there are specials and memorials for the tragedies of all the lives lost. And the tragic day that changed all of our lives forever, whether you realize it or not. And now... We see memes like this emerging, and we think about the, the day after and the years after and how that event changed our lives forever. But this past week, I found myself thinking about something different. I found myself thinking about the day before. And I want to preach this morning on that topic, the day before. Jesus, we love you. We are thankful to you, for you. You're amazing. There's no one like you. God, you hold all things in your hands. You see the beginning from the ending. You knew you do all things well. And we are so grateful to be in your presence. Help all of us to not just get something from this service, but to give something to you in this service and to receive from you where you want us to go from this moment. 
God, help us to prepare ourselves in a way that really you're reaching to us. Help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. September 10th, 2001. Major League Baseball was getting ready to go into the playoffs. The Seattle Mariners were on their way to establishing the second best record in Major League history. They were going to go 116 and 46. On this day, they were 104 and 40. 104 wins, 40 losses. Incredible, incredible record. Well ahead of the rest of the American League. The Houston Astros had the best record in the National League with a record of 84 and 59. The Kansas City Royals were in last place in the American League Central with a record of 57 and 86. So they are currently 64 and 77, so they're doing better than they were in 2001. Week one of the NFL season had just wrapped up, and on Monday night, September 10th, the Denver Broncos defeated the New York Giants on Monday night football. And it's crazy. 20 years later, guess who the Denver Broncos play today? The New York Giants. Unfortunately, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders 27-24. Good thing that never happens anymore. There were several other things going on across the nation and the world that day. The nation was still arguing over one of the closest elections in U.S. history where Texas Governor George W. Bush defeated incumbent Vice President Al Gore. There was a recount in Florida followed by a 5-4 to four Supreme Court decision that declared Bush the winner. And 10 months later, on Monday, September 10th, news was still discussing this. They were still arguing. I'm thankful it's not like today where when election's done, everybody moves on. <laughs> Monday, September 10th was election eve in New York where Mayor Rudy Giuliani was unable to run again because of term limits. But he had one more tragic and catastrophic thing to deal with before leaving office. The greatest professional basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, I'm looking at you, Chad, was finalizing details of a comeback. Not with the Bulls, though. He was coming back to the Washington Wizards, which was just weird. We had the internet. <clears throat> But we did not have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Our internet looked more like this. I'm messing with the youth, man. They're like, wow. I know they're thinking we're old, and I'm thinking like, no. But then like, I'm like, are we? Are we getting there? There were no podcasts. The iPod was still at least a month away from its introduction. Most cell phones had lost their antennas, but colored screens were still not yet around. Who had this Nokia phone? Come on, somebody. What happened to Nokia? They were leading the, you, they were leading the way there for a minute. And then the iPhone came around, I guess, but the Apple Stalic stepped up. Just look at the New York Times on the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, before the planes hit the Trade Towers, the Trade Center. Um, this was the focus of our nation the day before. Q 
Key leaders talk of possible deals to revive economy. On the top left was a big photo of an orange tent in Bryant Park. It was Fashion Week in New York City. Under it was the cable and network scramble for morning television watchers talking about ratings and morning TV. Below the fold, you don't see it, was an argument over school dress codes. But then on Wednesday, September 12th, the headlines looked a bit different. I, like so many others probably, kept the paper from that day. I pulled this out of my memory box. I lived in Milwaukee. It's a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It says, thousands die as hijackers destroy the World Trade Center and breach the Pentagon. A stunned nation shuts down. If you were alive, no doubt you could get up right now. You could tell me where you were. You probably could take me back to the spot where you were standing or sitting. Tell me who you were with, how you felt, where you heard the news, what was the plan for that day, what the rest of the day looked like. You might be able to even tell me what you had planned the next day. But I have a question for me, you, and all of us is, where were you on Monday, September 10th, 2001? What did you have planned on that day? What were you doing? Who were you with on Monday, September 10th? Most likely, none of us know. We can't answer. We don't remember because nobody really ever thinks about the day before. If you've lost someone in your life, if you had a bad medical prognosis where the doctor said something, you can remember that day, what happened, the days forward, how it changed your life. But the day before, hmm, I don't really remember that. You know, I, I've read a lot of articles and watched a lot of specials about 9-11. I hear the same types of comments over and over. It was a day like any other. I just saw a special with the man who, you know, I believe in Boston, who checked in, Muhammad Atta. And he was tearing up, crying, saying, I just wonder where I missed it, what I could have caught before checking in and to fly that day. I wish I would have stopped it. I wish I would have done more. People say, I didn't see it coming. I never would have imagined terrorism was something that happens overseas in a different place. It doesn't happen here in the United States. But really, the only thing that could ever change the outcome of something is, is by preparing for it the day before. I think if I asked around here, there was a few things that happened in your life that you said, man, if I could do that one over again. I would have done that just a little bit different. I would have lived and made different choices. And so if we could go back, like some of these science fiction movies, you go back to like, go back in time and you can change something. Like, no doubt some of us would take advantage of that. But that's not really realistic, is it? Life doesn't work that way, does it? How many people would live differently the day before if they knew that the outcome of the next day would cause tragedy or loss? 
You know, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35, he says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. That's why, to me, I don't care if it's religious, if it's a spiritual person, if it's a Pentecostal person. To me, the minute somebody starts, well, here's the date, look at this time, my, 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 my ears just, my eyes, my mind just kind of go to a different place. Because Scripture tells us, hey, there's signs of the times of the Lord coming back. And these are the things to look for. And be aware when you see these things. But Scripture directly says no one knows the day or the hour. Verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And again, there's signs, hey, yeah, Notice, people are just doing life and living life just like they were that day. People didn't realize what was going to happen. This is scripture. Until the flood came, swept them all away. And you think about that moment, everybody, yeah, sure, no, okay, yeah, you've been building that boat forever. Even scripture says, oh, since the fathers fell asleep, they've been talking about his second coming. Come on, like, scripture, it talks about the fact that there are going to be naysayers that are making fun, that are saying, you still believe that stuff? It's been around forever. So the minute even in a, in, a, in, a, in a pulpit, a preacher starts talking about the second coming of Christ, God coming back, kind of we go, yeah, cool, yeah, I know it's going to happen. It's out there. I've been hearing it forever my whole life. Yep, cool. He says, people don't realize What's going to happen? You think about Noah, how, yeah, sure, Noah. And then all of a sudden when the rain started and the downpour started and the puddles started forming and the water started rising, the terror that would have been in their lives when they realized what he's been talking about is now happening. And Jesus, as he's talking about this, he's comparing this and he's comparing it to Noah to the fact about his second coming. He's saying, I'm going to come again, and nobody knows when, but you need to be ready. Let's compare it to Noah, because like that, eventually a trumpet's going to sound, the eastern sky's going to split, and God is going to come back for his people. But then he says, let me give you an example. Two men will be grinding flour at, or two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. 41, two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One's going to be taken, and the other left. He starts to paint the picture of what this is going to look like. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know when your Lord's coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit, not permit his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready all the time. I mean, yeah, I hope for our nation. I hope he comes back on a Sunday morning. But if we're only living for God on Sunday mornings, I don't think that's being ready all the time. He says, the Son of Man will come when least expected. So we know, if you're a Bible believer, if you're not, I can't, I can't really help you right now in the pulpit. We can talk later, but... If you're a Bible believer, then we know he's coming back. He said he was. He's coming back. And we know that if we're a Bible believer, we don't know when he's coming back. 
But scripture is filled with be ready, be prepared. That's why we hear him tell stories about the, the, the virgins and the lamps and the oil. And, 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 and he gives us things and talents. He, he invests things in us. And then he says, I expect you to go do something with what I gave you. And I expect you to live ready. And when the signs come, he says, look up. What does that mean? Be in a ready state. Be, be aware of what's going on around you. And so we're called to live in a ready state. We don't really think about this anymore. We, we don't hear songs about this anymore. Preachers don't really preach about this much anymore. Is it possible that we're living our spiritual lives as though the calendar is set to September 10th? The day before. It could never happen to us. It'll happen sometime. One day. It could not happen to us. The, the old Christian man, I'm about to go back in time. I don't think it's original with them, but... The old Christian band named DC Talk. Anybody listen to DC Talk? Anyone still listen to DC Talk? Come on now. You got, yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We're in this together. DC Talk has, they're not even a band anymore. Now Toby Mack comes out of DC Talk if you listen to Christian music. And so, but they sang a song entitled, we were traveling this past week in Colorado, and uh, this song came out, and my daughter's like, Dad, skip this song. I'm like, how do you not like 80s rap from DC Talk? <laughs> and I said, no, no, listen to the words of this song. It's pretty intense. It's a song entitled, Wish We'd All Been Ready. Have you heard this song? Listen to the words. Life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor. That's a good start, huh? I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the days grew cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind, the sun has come and you've been left behind. You wrote that Christian song today, I don't think you're going to get much airplay. I'd rather hear the song about how I'm an overcomer and love wins and everything's good and Jesus loves me and accepts me and all this stuff, which Jesus does love me and love does win and compassion's important, absolutely, but we kind of tend to focus in on what makes us feel comfortable and good. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. Wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. The father spoke, the demons died. How could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Man, there used to be a lot more songs about heaven. There were even songs about missing heaven. Now the songs, you know, about me and my walk with God, my feelings, my struggles, my anointing, which is fine. But I think every once in a while we need to think about heaven. And, and honestly, I think it's probably healthy to sometimes think about missing heaven. 
We can dream about the future. We can discuss eternity. But these things are decided and dictated by what we do today. The Bible places a lot of emphasis on today. Today is people are making plans. James 4, 13 and 14. He says, look here. You say, today or tomorrow, we're going to be in a certain town and we'll stay the year, year and do business, make a profit. Anybody have plans for today? Anybody know what you're leaving today and what you're going to do with the rest of your day? That's amazing. Only three of you. That's incredible. Some of you don't have your hands raised, and I know exactly what you're going to be doing at 3 o'clock. Bunch of liars. <clears throughs> you having your red shirts on with a little arrow. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Anybody have plans for tomorrow? Excited to go to work tomorrow? It says, your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. If my life, if my whole existence is only going to be this life, that is depressing. But see, I have eternity to look forward to. Today is a day when some will hear God's voice while others will harden their hearts. Hebrews 3.13 says, you must warn each other every day. Man. While it is still today. Notice the parentheses, today. While it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Today is the day that God calls for our, our complete commitment and obedience. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And so, if you're here going, yeah, you know, I've thought about baptism before. I've thought about, you know, really pursuing God and being filled with the Spirit, repenting of my sins. I've thought about committing. You know, at some point, I really intend to do that. You know, I know i got to get serious. And, no, I, people will look at the preacher. Yeah, I, I know. You're right. And someday, i got to do that. I plan on it. But Scripture says today. Today needs to be that day. What will you do today? That will affect your tomorrow. September 10, 2001 was a day of unappreciated ironies, unexpectedly faithful decisions. A day when the important was often overlooked and the trivial was often exaggerated. We were consumed with the fashion show in New York City and the morning television ratings, which 24 hours later mattered to no one. Life changed. Immediately. For many, September 10th was the last day of an era, but for more than 3,000 people who would be at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and four hijacked planes that next day, it was the last day of their lives. From them, for them, September 10th was the last time they would ever walk out at closing time, clock out, ride home on the train, the subway, eat dinner with the family, the last football game they would watch was the Broncos. Last time they'd fight over the remote. Last time 
They would read a bedtime story to a child. Last conversation with a loved one, the last kiss goodnight. The day before September 11th was like any other day and yet unlike any other day. For them, what the world would forever call the day before would actually be their final full day. 20 years later, everything's changed, and yet in some ways, nothing's changed at all. Today is probably a day of unappreciated ironies and unexpectedly faithful decisions, a day when the important is often overlooked and the trivial is often exaggerated. A day where many of you, if we're honest, we came to church today without really any expectations. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, yeah, guys, come on, get ready, we're heading to church, this is where we go, we go to church on Sunday at 10, but when we walked through the door, when you pulled the door open and walked into the sanctuary, what did you expect God to do today? Some of you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, and honestly, you might not have plans to change that. Maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit of God, and uh, you were fine with that when you walked in. You didn't intend to make any big commitments or consecrations to God. It's just another day. It's like any other day. This is the way things have always been done, and so I'm just, at some point, you know, there's probably some things I should look at, but I'm fine with me who I am today. But at some point, this will be our last day on earth at some point. It's either going to be that we pass from this life and something in our body ceases to work the way it was intended to work. Or the angel of God will blow the trumpet. And the church will be heading home. But no matter what, if it's one way or the other, at some point we will wake up in the morning to an alarm clock for the last time. We will have a, a family dinner for the last time. We will come to church for our last service. And I think if this was my last service, did I worship God the way I would have liked to have worshipped God. If we're getting ready to have our last altar call, did I passionately pray and pursue God the way I would have had I known this was going to be my last altar call? Man, pastor, preacher, you all keep getting all melodramatic on me. I don't really think so because scripture says always live ready. And so even though, you know, yeah, we enjoy football and today's the opening game. Like when we go, is the game worth skipping that passionate pursuit of God at the altar? I just want to make sure that I keep my perspective. I want to make sure that I keep the main thing the main thing. Because that'll be the last day. At some point, we experience the last day with our spouse. 
Some of you have already experienced that. The last day on our job, some of you have already experienced that, and you're not sad. Maybe the last day before an unforeseen medical diagnosis in your own life or in the life of a family member, and you know that that one diagnosis changes everything. Maybe your last day as a single person, a last day without children, a last day of high school, a last day of college. The last day always brings change. Sometimes that's like, whoa, yes, party, celebration, done with high school. Have the, everybody brings me cards, and you open the card in the face of, you know, Andrew Jackson or, or you know, Grant or, or Benjamin, and it shows through, and you're like, yes, I mean, it's a day of party excitement. Other times it's tragic, and your whole life changes from that moment on. Sometimes the newspaper front page is talking about fashion shows and morning TV ratings. The next day, it's talking about the most tragic event on American soil where more than 3,000 people died. Perspective. It can change really fast. I'd rather just keep my perspective right rather than having to have it changed. And at some point, whether by death or the sound of the trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment. Notice he's talking about least expected, a burglar comes um, in a moment. He's comparing it to try to get believers to understand you can't. And he even tells the story about the parable of the foolish virgins. Oh, no, five of them had oil in the lamps. They were ready for when the bridegroom came. The other five were not. I think that's a powerful story in the Bible because it reveals people's intentions. The five foolish virgins intended to go to the marriage supper. It was not like they were not interested and they didn't want to have a relationship with the bridegroom. No, they intended to go. But when they showed up, they said, oh, hang on, let me go. I got to get oil. No, I told you, you knew the time and you knew the time was short and you were supposed to be ready. And so the door was locked and they couldn't go in. That's a powerful story because there's a lot of people who aren't just backslid, ignoring God. I don't care about him. I don't want a relationship. No, there are people with good intentions, but yet... Today's not the day. Someday is the day. And God writes his word saying, no, today is the day for your salvation. And so if you're here and you're saying, well, I've just never been baptized. I've never been filled with the Spirit. I've never pursued God. I've never really, well, I thought, I've never seen the need. God is reaching to you either in person or online. And he's trying to say, today has to be that day. Because I am coming back very soon. And so he is trying to get the church ready, and he's been trying since Bible times. You're reading scriptures about these people intended to be a part, but they were not prepared, so they were not a part. They missed out. Oh, what a vicious, cruel God. Are you kidding me? He said, this is what I want you to do. Here's what happens if you do it. Here's what happens if you don't do it. And I'm telling you, you better be ready. It's time to get ready. 
But we live in a culture, right, when our kids, hey, you got to do your homework. It needs to be handed in at this time. And that time comes, and the teacher submits a, a, a grade and gives it to you and says, here's what. And then, you know, we got a lot of parents that want to go in and fight the teacher. And the teacher sent out the syllabus, and it was lined out, and the due date was here, and the child chose not to do the work. And it's a very difficult thing as a parent to let your kids face the consequences of their decisions. But I think even that, we're teaching them something spiritually, like, no, you have to make a choice. You chose not to do this, so now you pay the price, the consequence. And with God, he lays things out very clearly. And we have a choice today. Because it happened in a moment, the blink of an eye. The trumpet will be blown. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to, lie, to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must tr be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And I'm already bringing this to a close. At some point, like I said, you will take your last breath on this earth. It's either going to be in passing from the earth and there's a funeral, or it's going to be the fact that the trumpet is going to sound and all of a sudden you're just going to be walking around one day just like any other day. And you're going to put your foot out to take your next step. And that trumpet's going to sound. And before your foot touches the ground, all of a sudden you're going to be transformed. And God is going to say, I've given enough time. I've prepared my people. I've let them know. I've put my spirit in them. I've washed away their sins. I've been there to walk with them. I've talked to them every time they've talked to me. I've received their worship, but now I can't wait any longer. I told them I went to prepare a place for them and that why I did that is so that there I am, where, where I am, there they may be also. And the trumpet will sound and that next step all of a sudden becomes I'm in the presence of Jesus Christ. There will eventually be that day, the day before, the day before Jesus comes back. It will probably be a day just like any other day. A day when you least expect it. And God forbid. God forbid. If you're ever left behind. Because when God comes back, the world doesn't just stop. From what we see in scripture, there is still things that continue to happen before the earth is burnt up and with fervent heat as Peter talks about. There's time. God forbid you ever are left behind. You will never forget the day the trumpet sounded. Think about that. Oh, Lord, I, I knew better. I should have prepared. 
night I, I heard so many messages and sat there and walked out of so many altar calls and I just sat there through so many worship services and I had your word, multiple copies of your word in my house and I, I never took time to read it and to apply it and to teach it to my children and now the trumpet has sounded and I'm still here. You'll never forget the day the trumpet sounded. You'll probably even remember the day after that because it'll change everything forever. But your eternal future is not going to be dictated by the day the trumpet sounded. That's what we remember. That's what we rehearse in our, oh, that, and then moving forward. And then from now on, it's going to look like this. Oh, and that feeling of hopelessness. We, it's, it's that your future is not determined by the day the trumpet sounded. It's dictated by the day before the trumpet sounded. And if God just told us, hey, I'll tell you the date. September 28th, it's October 7th, it's uh, November 14th, it's uh, three years from now, it's actually going to be six years from now, it's actually 27 years from now, then we could all say, hey, well, let's go do this, and then that day before, let's make plans. He says, that's not love. No, 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 no. If you're going to love, you're going to walk ready with me. So nobody knows the day or the hour, and I'm coming back for my people, that's scriptural. And I'm commanding my people to live ready because I want to spend eternity with you. But where you spend eternity is not based on the day of the trumpet sounding. It's the day before. So what day is that going to be? Well, based on what we see in Scripture, that day, it could be today. I mean, like, you might not even get to see the final score of the Chiefs game. God might call you home before the game's over. It could be later this week. It could be tomorrow, which would then make today September 10th. What matters today that would not matter tomorrow if you knew God was coming back? What matters today that would not matter tomorrow if you knew God was coming back? A little intense, a little heavy this morning. But my Lord, we got to think about it. Not just about heaven, but also every once in a while they go, my God, what about if I let the things of this world get so much in the way that, that the trumpet sounds and I miss it?
because in scripture he says I want you to live every day ready because I'm coming back when you least expect it it's not a trick in his love he tells us just live ready keep the oil filled up be prepared to me I cannot wait I don't want to get consumed with the cares of this life One day that trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. The rest of us will be caught up. And the scripture says, there we will forever be with the Lord. And I'll be in the presence of God where there's no more crying, no more dying, no more sorrow. He's the light of the city. No more issues, physical, mental, emotional. We're just going to be in the presence of God Almighty, he robed himself in flesh and died on a cross and paid a price we were supposed to pay. And there's an eternal reward for those not who earn anything. He already took care of it. But for those who respond to his grace and obedience and commitment. And if you're here today, I'm telling you what a day. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day to find an altar, to repent of your sins, to have sins washed away in the waters of baptism, to allow him to fill you with his precious spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that he wants to have you live a life of commitment and consecration, not because he's looking to punish or withhold something from you, but he's looking to have you be prepared to be the consecrated vessel that is prepared to see his face when he comes back for his church. Are you ready? I think it's imperative now that we would all find a place to, to pray and to approach an altar and to just bow a knee and raise a hand and close an eye and say, God, help me to be ready. Help me, God, that not to live my spiritual life like September 10, 2001 and just thinking, oh yeah, it's, it's just going to go on forever. It's not. No, everything can change in an instant, God. And I want to make sure that I'm ready. I want to make sure my heart is right. I want to make sure that I'm not consumed with things that will pull me away from you, Jesus. God, help me today to be ready. Yeah.
the same.